Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. And the Cubs play at the at the friendly confines. Uh, my son lives up here in Chicago now, Cullen. So he and his girlfriend and uh, myself and Ashley will be heading out to Wrigley Field. Be going to Wrigleyville beforehand, having a few pops. I'll see if I can get back in the cage there and redeem myself, uh, Nick Geddes. Oh, please, you, please you save so it. I was going to say save us it, but actually, please go back and do it and make sure you get it on video again. So I yeah. can see those rollovers. I want to so see those rollovers again. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Looking forward to it. It's uh, it's a beautiful day here in Chicago. Uh, we've been here. We got in yesterday. Traveled on the Monday, the busiest plane day in, uh, in I think, history since COVID anyway. And, and airports were great. We were we, It was easy yesterday for us. So um, got here fine and very much looking forward to uh, taking in the game today. And then I'm going to have to see if I can uh, talk – Ashley into going to a second game on Wednesday, a day game at Wrigley Field, where we're going to try to sit in the, sit in the bleachers. So we shall see. I'm trying to make sure I get uh, all my I, connections are right here. I feel like you got to get the day game experience. You go all the way over to Chicago. You got to see a day game. Just like right. just like, that's what I'm t- just like the, the one you saw yesterday. You got to see a day game. Yeah. So well, can you imagine going coming to Chicago and uh, dragging Casey to two two baseball games in less than 24 hours? Better yet, that'd be a tough ask. Better yet, can I imagine going all the way to Chicago and dragging Casey to the game that took place yesterday, which was a one to nothing snooze fest yeah. where they almost got no hit. That is even yeah. worse. Can you imagine me trying to explain to Ashley and Savannah, my my son's girlfriend, like, okay, baseball's really an exciting game. Like, it's really they'd be like, are we allowed to hit the ball? Get are the what are the why are the Rays not hitting the ball? You told me the Rays were good. You said the Rays had could score runs. <laughs> yes, they're the highest scoring team in baseball. Well, it doesn't look like it. You've had six beers. They've scored no runs. <laughs> I've had this exact conversation, JP, where Casey always tries to tell me the Rays suck. The Rays aren't good. And then we sit down to watch a game, and I tell her, I'm like, no, 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 they're like the best offense in like the last like 150 years yeah. or whatever. And that's the game where the Rays want to score a run or two yeah. or something like that. And then you never hear the end of it, and guess what? They're out. They won't watch yeah. another game. It's over after that. Exactly. So so I, we got that one out of the way. We didn't go, right? We were here late, so we just went and got some dinner last night down on the river. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was probably a good place. So today they should explode for, you know, 15 runs and, you know, wind blowing out at Wrigley and hopefully we'll have a, a big night tonight and maybe even tomorrow. We shall see. My look, Marcus Stroman was fantastic. We've, you know, how many times have we seen him? He was really good and you got to tip your cap. Was that a complete game? That was a, a complete game. One hit shutout. You saw it. Wow. It's, and I haven't checked this morning, but um, is he on the DL? Is is he dead? Is I think he, he, I think he's okay. Deceased. I think he's okay. Have they sent an ambulance? Did, they, did an ambulance take? Did they take him off on a stretcher after the ninth inning? I don't know. Did they? I didn't see the game, but 
maybe I don't think so. I think he'll be okay. So maybe one day, maybe one day, a raised pitcher will do a complete game, but don't hold your breath. Um, yeah, Thomas Casper's already in the mentions. Cubby Bear will go. Murphy's Bleachers going there. Sluggers, Harry. K- yeah, we're doing all that. We're doing all. That. We're gonna we're gonna do the Bar Hop Wrigleyville special today, starting at about five o'clock. First pitch is seven o five, I believe. So we'll uh, we'll we'll be in prime condition and ready to root for the race. And I'm wearing my race jersey, so I will be sitting second deck, right above the race dugout. So Ooh. you might you might see us. There you go. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Um, but it was a listen. We go back to Friday, and it was a very successful weekend for the Rays as they get the series win over the Dodgers, eleven to ten on Sunday. I was doing my Pro Padel League stuff, so I couldn't get a chance to see much of that game. You did, and um, Paredes had another big game. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the start. I didn't even know this until the day of. I'm like getting ready to like watch my Man U game, which was starting at 11:30 on Saturday, and and all of a sudden it's like um, I I check like my MLB app. I'm like, let me make sure the Rays are playing at one o'clock, whatever today, right? So I have time to watch both. And then I saw the Rays are starting at 11:30, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? And I'm checking my listings everywhere. I'm like, I don't see the game on Bally. What's going on here? And then I go to Twitter, and Mark Topkins telling me they're on Peacock. And I'm like, wait a Peacock. second. I'm like, since, yes. when is, since when is the MLB on Peacock? But apparently it was, which it ended up being a really good broadcast, by the way. They had Brian Anderson in there and Oral Hershiser, so you had one of each from, from the broadcast crew. It was great. But that, oh, game, cool. that game was absolutely nuts. We had like 15 hits in the first three innings between the two teams. The Rays had jumped out to a 7-3 to lead and then gave it all the way back. Josh Fleming was the sacrificial lamb of the afternoon because the bullpen was so overtaxed they had to have him pitch six innings and gave up 12 hits and 10 runs Josh Fleming did and I think he gave up like four or five home runs including back-to-back twice in the game it was just one of the one of the most craziest things you've ever seen and all this happened before like we were in p.m. of the day which made it even better so just a crazy game that unfortunately you missed so uh did did he pitch long? Well, you must pitch long enough to get the win. Then he did get the win, hopefully. No, because the game was tied when when he came out of the game. It was ten to ten. Oh. We had ten to ten. You get, all, you get all that on your ERA, and you don't even get the dub. No, you don't even get the dub, and your and your ERA is absolutely inflated now. I told you he was the sacrificial lamb of this entire weekend for the Rays. Isn't that crazy though? But you get a dub. You get a dub. You 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 just sacrifice your pitcher one day, but you still get a dub. And that's the Rays' way. That's the magic of the Rays. They have just been so resourceful, and I just it, that's and that's that little thing that you can't really you saw it, you saw it in 08. You know, I think they had led the league in uh, walk off wins in 08, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. It was just that they that never say die. They always had confidence they could come back no matter what the situation. They were like, yeah, we're good. We're going to come back and win this game. They were just so confident that they could do that. So. And I think this team has a lot of that, too. They have a lot of that special in them. I mean, when you watch the games, you're like, okay, we're never out of it. You never feel like you're out of a game. You know, down 6 nothing to the Yankees, come back and win. Yep. So, And now with this bullpen, though, you kind of think you've never got a game won. And now Fairbanks is hurt. What the hell is going on with Fairbanks? He's got a hip now? Yeah, that was the other thing that happened on on Sunday. Jason Adam had to pitch two innings back-to-back. First time he's done that since 2020 because Fairbanks was warming up in the pen to come in for the ninth. 
and I guess he had some his hip locked up on him. His he gets hip locked up on him, and they said they were hoping to avoid an IL stint. And as we know, when they when someone says that, you might as well just go ahead and pencil them in on the IL. It's over after pencil that point. Pen. So Pete Fairbanks now back on the IL for the second time this season, I believe. And more questions about the bullpen. More questions about the bullpen, which is overtaxed. We got guys that are feel like random names that are coming up, literally. The one we saw yesterday, Joey LaSorsa. Joey LaSorsa. Joey Joey LaSorsa. Now, I know you were were excited to talk about Joey LaSorsa this morning. My paisan. My paisan. Joey LaSorsa. You kidding me? Everybody back at St. John's. Everybody back there is like, that's my boy. That's my boy. Look at him go. Look at two innings. Wrigley Field, baby. Here we are. Joey LaSorsa. I love that name. You can't say can you? Well, you just did. You, you just totally gringo didn't get Joey LaSorsa. You got to say Joey LaSorsa. Joey LaSorsa. That's, you can't say it regular. You can't say it. So I don't. I don't. Italian. I don't. Listen. It's a part Italian I can appropriate. Listen. Listen. The 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 Long Island, New York jeans in, did not. Oh. They did. They did not pass down to the voice. I don't yeah, have it in not. me. Neither did Joey LaSorsa. Joey LaSorsa. See, I can't even do it. Joey LaSorsa. You got to get a little gravel in your voice. Yeah, it's like you've had three thousand cigars and about twenty-five gallons of red wine. Joey LaSorsa. Joey LaSorsa. Yeah. How good, we got to play his audio too because he was he was over the moon and uh, I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna do today I'm gonna go find the La Sosa gang because his what his brother is there right his brother and his wife and his mm-hmm. wife were there uh, his girlfriend was there so I'm gonna go in search of the La Sosa family and we're gonna grab a little pizza pie and have a goose island together yeah yeah definitely I'll get an inter- I'll get an interview with the family on my phone we'll we'll get some. Uh, We'll get some shots. So that'll be one of my uh, one of my quests at Wrigley Field tonight. Hey, it just reminded me. Since you're in Chicago, I have to ask: Are you going? Are you going deep dish as you're looking around, or are you trying to get some thin crust? What do you, you know? What's, what's the move in Chicago for you? We went to a, a place last night called Pizzeria uh, Portofino, uh, right on the water, that Chicago River. And I thought it was going to be more of a like a mom and pops, you know, checker tablecloth place, but it was a little bit more upscale. Um, and, but, and the pizza was very thin, very thin, very good, very thin. I just crapped out on you like mine did. Uh, anyway, we went there and it was, it was fabulous. Really had, um, really had a good, a, one good meal down, a couple more to go, but now we're going to go to Port, I'm going to go to Portillo's. Now, Ashley's like, no, we're not going to Portillo's. That's a chain. I'm like, I know, but the original Portillo's is right here in Chicago. So the only the only way you can break the like you never go chain when you go to a new new city, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go chain. You don't you don't go to Chipotle and then tweet about it, Derek Carr. Yeah, you when do. You put it, yeah, when, you do. When you go to freaking New Orleans. When you sign with the Saints in New Orleans, you don't your first meal, you don't go to Chipotle and go, Oh, I had a good good, good meal at Chipotle today in New Orleans. He got just absolutely crushed for that. But you, if you go to Chicago, the original Portillo's is here. So then you can that that usurps that rule of not going chain into a new when you go to a when you travel. So no, yeah. I, I think you're breaking your own you're breaking your own rule there. And by the way, Portillo's no, have no, you been, it's the Portillo's original. Portillo's and Brandon, it stinks. 
It's, oh, it's well, because it's not the original. It's not the original. That's a chain. So that's that's like you're like twenty, you know, five million people removed from the real thing. So we're gonna we're gonna go probably at some point. But no, we're gonna. There's a. You guys can. By the way, give me in your comments. Um, give me some good pizza places. But I don't. I'm not, I'm not a big deep dish guy. You me know, neither. Me neither. Like one one. You know, I had it once. You know, you get like it's really good. But you eat one piece and you're done. What, you're yeah, what's done. the you're what's food the, coma? You're done. What's the tour strap again in Chicago? It's like Pizzeria Uno or something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and I think I saw like I'm a big like Portnoy like back. pizza review guy, and I watched him review it, and it just got like so much tomato sauce all over it, and like no cheese. Like, it does not look good at all. No, that's it does not, good. not look good that's at all. Good. No good. So yeah, we're we're in um we're in search of a, a really good pizza. Here, uh, the last night was okay. It was just okay. I'm not going to say it was fantastic, but the whole ambiance of that place was really co- cool. I, I highly recommend it. The Parmesan um, fries were excellent, excellent. And we had some pasta and a meatball that was absolutely fantastic. So that was good. But we're uh, we're definitely going to dig in the next two days and see what kind of great food we can go. We're going to go to the Field Museum today, which is a, a, a history museum, one of the biggest history museums in the world. They got the biggest T-Rex in in the world, you know, re, reconstructed T-Rex, Brontosaurus. I love all that stuff. So we'll, we'll get a little history going. And they got a great um, Egyptian mummy exhibit going on right now. Love my ancient Egypt, one of my favorite historical topics. Those people were freaking brilliant. They built, they built the pyramids with pulleys and logs for rollers. I mean, you got to be kidding me. So I'm going to go, we're going to do that as well. But anyway, back to uh, back to the Rays, Joey LaSosa. But the good news, how about Taj Bradley last night? How about Taj Bradley getting up to humping it up to 99, mm-hmm. five and two-thirds, uh, his longest outing. Uh, what else? 11 swings and misses, 90 pitches, 28 foul balls. Um, the highlights that I saw, really, really good stuff. And I think, isn't it weird that he goes down to AAA and can't pitch, comes back to the majors? He's got – He's got major league stuff. You know what he reminds me of hmm. is Strowman. You know, they're similar builds, and if they move the ball around, although he's he's a much more power, a bigger power pitcher than him. Um, he's got he's just got a lot of I love I love his demeanor on the mound. He doesn't. I mean, that's Wrigley Field last night. That's a big deal, and you know he just cruising along. Great stuff. I. I love what we saw from him. I, really, really. Good I just stuff. love that he doesn't walk anybody. Again, we're no. we're like six starts through of Todd Bradley, right? And he's only got five walks on the season, and I think he's up to forty-two strikeouts. Like those are not the ratios you usually see from a twenty-two-year-old who's making his first starts in the big leagues. You just don't see that often. No. It just seems like no. he yesterday in particular, he seemed like he was so comfortable on the mound. And to your point, I mean, we got what like thirty thousand plus there in Wrigley Field yesterday. It's Memorial Day. It's a pretty big deal. You got Stroman, another all-star on the other side of you, and he's pitching a, a hell of a game, obviously. And Todd Bradley was matching him. Todd Bradley was not that much worse than, than Marcus Stroman yesterday, in all no. reality. Clearly, he deserved a different, a, a different outcome. Unfortunately, the bats just couldn't get going against Stroman. But, I mean, if you're, if you're looking for encouragement out of this pitching staff right now, and the starting staff has held it together for the most part through the injuries— Look no further than what Todd Bradley did, and I think they're going to be able to stretch him out more a little bit. They got him nearly through six yesterday, so I'm hoping that can be kind of where they can sit him now. And to your point, I mean, 99 with the fastball. I didn't know he had that in him, to be honest. 
He's kind oh, of I been, didn't either. He's kind of just been kind of, you know sitting around 95, 96, and then he would touch 97. But around that like fourth inning, fifth inning, he was really rearing back, and it was everything coming out of his hand then was 98, 99. And he throws it so up in the zone. It's such a great rising fastball. Yeah, and, yeah it appears to rise. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful. But he gets such a good hook on his curveball. That's why these guys can't lay off the fastball because the, traje- the trajectory of each pitch, the, the meeting point is almost the same before the curveball takes the dip and the fastball's rising. So he's found a great little medium there. And I agree with what Marcus Stroman said after the game yesterday. He said, Todd Bradley is going to be a star. 100% yeah. agree with Marcus Stroman there. And that's the good, you know, like I don't get upset that they had Stroman shut him out like that. You know, it's, it's just an anomaly. It's not going to happen. This offense is too good, yep. but to see Taj pitch like that and Joey LaSosa, Hey, maybe he could, you know, be something in the bullpen that those are two good things, especially with Fairbanks going down, you know, who knows how long that's going to be. Um, you know, we're, we're way past the, are we going to make a move at the bullpen at the deadline? It's yeah, we're getting a bullpen arm and we're probably going to get a starter arm. By the way, I was looking at the, the top uh, 25 free agents for next year, which those guys will be the biggest trade baits. There's a lot of good pitchers on there. There's a lot of good starting pitchers. You mentioned Giolito. There's a bunch more on there. I, I, I'll call that up a little bit later in the show. But that there's a bunch more on there, and they're, they're reasonable prices too, like reasonable prices. The, I, I would like to see the Rays strike early and go get one of those guys because, well, let's ask you, you. You watched the whole thing. I was watching a little bit on my phone on Saturday. Um, watching Glass now do his thing. I thought he looked good. I yeah. thought he looked good. He looked, you know, the the he looked he was he wasn't overthrowing. That's what I wanted to see. Like, is he is he too amped up and going to try to overthrow? He looked smooth. Um, you know, I just I, I liked everything I saw from him. What what do you think? Yeah, I thought Glass now looked like he was ready to go. He was obviously amped up. Uh, what a few pitches got away from him. Not really in, yeah. the, in that game. Uh, yeah. But I think it was really against the big boppers there. But anytime you strike out eight guys in four and an inning, in four and a third rather, yeah, yeah, I think you're I think you're pretty much locked in. So I think all things considered, they got the best out of Tyler Glass now. Like I said, it was literally just a couple hard hit balls that really kind of did him in there. Uh, but I don't think we were really looking for that kind of. We were just kind of see how does the stuff look. And yeah. in the first inning, when he throws that curveball to Freddie Freeman to get him a swing yeah. and miss, and then he follows it up with the curveball to get J.D. Martinez, two very two of the best hitters in baseball right there, especially Freeman, who was red hot and killed the Rays in that series, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think that told me, okay, he's got, a, he's got a feel for his stuff. The fastball was still lively. So, again, this is like this is the thing. This is like adding an all-star uh, to your team at the end of May here. So we're talking about additions that the Rays need to make to the roster, and I know you said you wanted to see them get a starting pitcher. This is a basic, essentially, an addition to your roster for nothing at the end of the May. At least that's kind of how you have to – I know that's the way the Rays are going to look at it. I know that you're smiling over there, but I know that's the way the Rays are going to look at it. It feels good now, but, you know, and I'm not cursing the guy, by the way, it doesn't work that way anyway. It's just you can't count on it. You just can't. I mean, there's no, there's no evidence that would suggest that he's going to be able to pitch for the rest of the year. None. But, you know, maybe everything's worked out now. Maybe he's got all – maybe he's behind his injuries. Maybe he's going to really get on a run now and be healthy for the next three, four years. Who knows? But if he stays healthy and Taj can continue on his climb and you got McClanahan um, – Eflin. Now, and Eflin, I mean, that's four 
really, really That's good. That's all you need. Record. That's all you need. That's all you need. But they all got to stay healthy. You know, they all got to stay healthy. And you know, I, I'm not counting on Rasmussen coming back. Um, but if if he were to come back, then wow, that would be unbelievable. And then if Jeffrey Springs were available, I mean, imagine you could you, this 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 staff could go six deep with A level starters. And you got to throw Baz in there starters. too. That's seven. I mean, and Yanni wow. Chirinos is down to the slouch himself. That's eight. All right, so we got some depth, but I still think we may may need to get. Well, a half the depth is hurt, though. Remind you of the eight guys I just told right, you. Exactly, four of them are hurt, right. and I'm not really. And Josh Fleming's the you know kind of the the fourth or fifth guy in this rotation at the moment. And I don't. And I I'm trying not to like really look back or look down on Josh Fleming right now because he just had a start. We gave up ten runs. I know it's right. very hard to do that, but like yeah. I said, it was so totally like. Fine. It was so sacrificial, Lamb, and he had been so great the six or seven outings leading up to that that I'm not really worried about Josh Fleming. Uh, it's, it, it's The whole thing I'm worried about still is the bullpen. I mean, I came across this. They have actually, just trying to put this into perspective, they've given up the second most runs in Major League Baseball from a bullpen. You know who's first? The Oakland A's. The Oakland A's. Yikes. Who have ten wins. Okay, so think about that one. Yikes. The worst team in baseball has given up the most runs in the bullpen, and the team that's given up the second most is the best team in baseball. So try to try to yeah. figure that one out for me. Okay, this is a dire need right now to get this bullpen going. They're overtaxed. They don't have enough high leverage guys. They're having to use guys uh, in high leverage roles who just aren't simply fit for it. And, right. you know, it was good to see Jason Adam because he had been slumping to get those two great innings against Los Angeles to shut it down. Hopefully that's a sign yeah. that he's he's finding himself again. But outside of him, and I got to throw Colin Poche in there too because he's been much better lately. Been good. Outside yeah. of that, I don't know what I'm getting at any of these guys, whether it be Deekman, Trevor Kelly, Kevin Kelly, Lastosa, any I don't know what I'm getting oh, at. Oh, that was good. That was good. You almost got it there. Yeah, I got one in me. I got Lasosa. one in me. Lasosa. Yeah, but all these other guys, I just don't know what I'm going to get on a, on a outing to outing basis, and that's got to be a big problem for Kevin Cash. Yeah, no, it's it's a huge problem, and and that's I mean, let's get fast forward to the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Those high leverage it's situations. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Not going to work. No, yeah, that's way. what I'm saying. No like way. you are fooling yourself, fooling yourself if you think this bullpen is good enough to win in October. We can no all way. celebrate this great no start way. to the season as we're in June and the best team in baseball, but it's not going to matter if you get to October and you're rolling out this bullpen that we're seeing right now. No, no. That's that's number one on the need list right now is an experienced closer. And they ain't cheap. Um, I don't but, even really – I'm not even begging for a closer necessarily. I, I need proven arms. Just regular bullpen arms is what I need so that I can weed out some of the Jake Diekmans and the Trevor Kellys and all these well, other guys. Listen, that if, you're gonna win, if you're going to win in the postseason, you need, I think, two really good high-leverage relievers. Two. Not just one. I think you need two. Um, you need a guy to come in and shut the door in the seventh, in the sixth, seventh, or eighth when the top of the lineup is coming up in a key situation. And then you need another guy with that mentality to close, close things out at the end. I... You know, or and, and you, you know, obviously you can with like the Rays do, you can interchange them. But I don't think you know. I mean, Fairbanks is that guy. Yeah, and I and I believe in Fairbanks, and I believe in Adam normally, but both of them have just been absolutely, you know, riddled with injuries and inconsistencies this year. You can't really count on. So you know, you got to go at least get one guy, at least one guy. So 
we'll see who that is. You know, do they have anybody at AAA that they're developing into that role? Well, here's the um, problem you know, too. We talked about Luis Patino a lot, and they're trying to try him out in this right. in this reliever role. And it's kind of crazy. We're in June. You have not seen Luis Patino on this big league roster. Well, his ERA in, in Durham, it's eight five five. Okay, Luis Patino has a lot to figure out. So just in case anybody was going to throw his name out there, We're not I, you, you can't count on him either at the moment. And he's not even getting a look on the major league roster while all these other guys keep coming through the system every single day. It feels like. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you have any more in-house options left than what you've already seen. And from day one, you know, just frankly, after the Blake Snell trade, from day one, Patino has never, ever impressed me with his stuff, with his numbers, with anything. I just – he's never impressed me from the day, first time I saw him. I'm like, eh. It's kind of, you know, he, 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 a little bit of velocity there, but nothing special in the breaking stuff, nothing special in the command, nothing special in the temperament. Just There's just nothing special there. Um, well, they, I mean, whiffed, they whiffed on that one. He you can't hit them all, but they he, whiffed on he that He could one. throw 99 all he wants, but it's the most flat 99 matter. that you've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Not, not in this league anyway. Thomas Thomas keeps bringing up a role as Chapman. I mean, we're desperate. I get it, but we're not that desperate. I just – Look, I know he's he's humping it at 104, um, but he's just not a good fit. He's not a good fit for this clubhouse. Um, we just no, I, I can't, I can't stomach it. It has a lot of AB in it, to be honest with you. I don't he has, he's got a lot of Antonio Brown in him. I don't think it's that just, crazy, but I don't, I don't like the way it ended last year. No, in New he's York. not that crazy. No, no, I just, but I I, think it's the same. It's the same to me. It's the same effect, though. It's it's a great clubhouse and great chemistry. You don't want to bring in a guy like this with an entourage, uh, his history, all of that. I, hey, I, I, I'm, know, I'm here for less than 24 hours. I'm talking like a Chicago guy. It's like what? I know for, for someone who talks who some for someone who doesn't like the city of Chicago. Supposedly, you seem to be talking it up pretty well. No, today, I, I I do like the city. I mean, I don't. I joke. We you know it's funny. We're sitting here watching the news this morning, and. They're not. There's not one word about the shootings that have gone. Go a lot of other stuff going on, but you would think nobody nobody got shot this Memorial Day weekend uh, here in Chicago. But it, it's listen. Downtown feels very. I want to say very safe, but it feels okay during the daytime, the daylight hours. I'm not spending a lot of time walking the streets at night here in Chicago. Uh, hey, my hometown of Hollywood, Florida, yesterday had a shooting on the beach where nine people got, got shot and uh, everybody's in stable condition and fine. But I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But I, I kind of joked about <laughs> you know, last year we scaled Mount Everest. We wanted to turn up the danger a little bit. So we went to Chicago instead, but so far in Wrigley field in that area is fine. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about it, but Chicago's a great city. It's look, it's like many of the great cities in America that have been absolutely trashed uh, by just absolute, ridiculously incompetent politicians and stupid policies, you know, New York, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago. Um, it's a sad, it's a sad, sad commentary because so many of these cities are just at times I've traveled to all of them many, many times. And they're just fabulous cities when they're being run well, but even Chicago, you're like, you like last night we're walking the streets and a lot of the garbage cans are overflowing. Um, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not what it should be. It's not what it should be or could be. And we could be better than this. But anyway, hey. let's listen to uh, Joey LaSosa. Or do you have something else you want to play? 
No, I had another point, but it's more of a – it might be a little bit of a longer discussion. So let's play La Sorsa first. All right. And then I'll bring up uh, another note to come out of the Rays this weekend. Let me queue up La Sorsa for us. Let's make sure you don't have any echo in your ears. And here we go. Your major league debut, you come in in the bottom of the seventh in a one-run game. Cash was talking about how impressed he was with your composure. How were you able to, to keep yourself composed with all of the elements? To be completely honest with you, I was just reverting back to kind of previous months earlier. Uh, WBC definitely helped a lot to calm the nerves down. I think uh, that was more of a shock to me than this, but I was very composed out there. And, I mean, I know that I have eight of the best guys in the big leagues behind me, so I felt real good going out there. The ball, what are you going to do with it? You have the first strikeout ball and then the first pitch ball? Uh, yeah, so I'll probably give that to my brother who's waiting for me outside and then he'll fly that back to New York and that'll go in the La Sorsa catacombs for generations to come. <laughs> Who all was here today? Uh, my brother, his wife, my girlfriend, and my brother's wife's uh, sister. Did you think you reflect on the journey to get here and then once you actually got to pitch in a big league game? Yeah, I mean... It's been a crazy ride. Everyone who knows me personally knows how much I had to fight. I mean, I was a late-round pick. I had to walk on in college and throw in a, in a major league baseball game and helping my team throw up zeros and keeping the score close in a tight ball game. It's definitely not going to hit me. I don't, th I don't know if it ever will. I really don't know if it ever will, but it was surreal, and I just am really glad that I stuck with it and, you know, I really worked my ass off for this, so I'm glad that this wonderful organization gave me the opportunity of a lifetime, and I'm glad I didn't let them down. What made you stick with it? Knowing that I've definitely had some good people in my corner tell me, you know, might come early or might come when you're 30, <laughs> but if you just keep throwing up zeros and staying healthy and getting out, someone's going to give you a chance. And I think it definitely helps me a lot that I'm left-handed and I do a good job against lefties. But I had a lot of people in my corner, regardless of if they knew about the situations that I was in or not, if they knew that how hard things are going to be going up, they were always positive behind me. And the people in my support and trainer, family, everyone, that couldn't be here today without them. You know, these are some of the great stories, you know, in baseball, guys that work their ass off, like he said, and, and finally make it to the big leagues. And, you know, there you are on, on the mound at Wrigley Field. I mean, you got to kind of just stand there and just, like, look around like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Well, he said it wasn't as nerve-wracking because, and I forgot about this, he represented uh, Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic. So he got a chance to pitch in front of some pretty, you know, host more much more hostile crowds, I'd argue, yeah. with the nationalities. Yeah. And to be on the big stage, so I guess maybe that kind of prepped him for this. Yeah, you could great point. you could say in a point because he looked as composed. Again, young guys for this team that don't have a lot of experience looking as composed on the mound as a ten-year vet and Taj Bradley and, and Joey Lasorsa yesterday. Yeah, I mean, this is I don't know how good Lasorsa can be. Can he be a left-handed stopper in that bullpen? Eh, we'll see. Um, but. Day one was phenomenal. Great to see. And you just, you know, if you don't know, like I, of course, I grew up playing baseball. Um, you know, we played, I played at a very high level in, in high school. Our team was the South Broward High Bulldogs, baby. We were ranked number one for two years in a row, almost consistently in the state. And, you know, my buddy Joe McEwen pitched for the White Sox here in, you know, on the South Side. 
and following him up through the, uh, you know, uh, through the minor leagues and just, you know, from, you know, from Appleton to Glens Falls to, you know, to Denver, you know, all these minor league places and a lot of small ballparks in between, you know, community college uh, ballparks and you, how freaking hard these guys work, man. You just, and 99% of them never get to the bigs, man. They never get to the bigs. So when you, when you, it's, and it's not just the player, it's the whole family. I mean, the, the, it, it is a family endeavor, especially now, right? With these kids through travel ball, you know, all the driving around, the long distance trips now that are taken. I mean, it's a freaking, you're investing a, a crap ton of money and even more time in these kids. And for them to make it to the big leagues like this and have these moments, I, I just love the stories. I love hearing the stories of the call up how they found out, and then when they get there to have a moment like he had last night. It's just it's what sports is yeah, all about, right? The, it's, it's, it's Yeah, like, like even the moment earlier, my favorite one was the, what was it, Drew Maggio from the Pirates, 33 yeah. years old, making his, his Major League Baseball debut in front of his family. Stories. Those are great I mean, stories. That's why I feel bad for uh, Ben Heller. <laughs> Did you see he got called up by the Rays, and he was so excited. Like oh, he put yeah. on Twitter, and not even 24 hours later, Ben Heller has been sent down to AAA, and it's like the life of it, right? I mean, but he'll get another right. he'll get another shot, obviously. But you know, when they do, it's a, obviously a great story every time. Uh, yeah. Here's what I was going to bring up, by the way. <clears throat> I almost hate to bring it up because there's so much good to talk about with this team, but it was wrote about in the Times by Mark Topkins, so I think it's fair game. I think it's fair game. Okay. Uh, did you read his column uh, about Wander Franco? It says, as Ray's Wander Franco matures, there can be highlights and headaches. Did you see this column? I did not. So <clears throat> it's basically about Wander. You know, he's 22 years old still, and there's been some things, I guess, that have, you know, maybe rubbed people the wrong way, I guess, is a way to put it. And I missed this this past, this past uh, Tuesday. I guess there was a ground ball to in between Isak Paredes and Wander Franco, and it was going to be a much easier play for Paredes to make. And Wander called him off and, and took took control of it, and it was unsuccessful. Uh, the runner was safe. And after this, they got into the dugout, and Randy, I guess, confronted Wander, and they had a heated, a kind of a heated conversation in the dugout, like a little bit of a shouting match with Randy going at him. I did not know this happened on Tuesday, by the way. I did but not But it either. happened. Um, and then yesterday during the game, and you might have not caught this, there was a kind of a, uh, a pop-up in between uh, left field and shortstop. And it was one of those plays where, like, who's going to get it? The shortstop or the left fielder, Franco or Rosarena? And it looked like it was probably going to be Randy's ball. But Wander kind of backed up, and it kind of was an awkward kind of play. And they both were calling for it. And nobody stopped what they were doing. Wander kind of caught it, but Randy's glove was right there. And then Randy's Rand- ball. And Randy kind of just keeps like uh, jogging through Wander, and he's got this look on his face, and he literally throws his glove up and just like drops it on the floor. And he's got like this kind of disgusted look on his face, Randy did, and then just kind of like jogged back to the outfield and didn't look at Wander. So, like, I'm just like, I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just pointing it out. It's pretty interesting. They had that little moment yesterday after what I read in this column took place just a few days prior. Hmm. Yeah, this is concerning. This is very concerning. Um, 
Yeah, you know what? I, I probably shouldn't comment on it now because I have not read the column. Yeah, I'd encourage you to read the column. And I, right? and I did not see yeah. the play, but I will, having covered baseball for a long time and talked to a lot of people about the clubhouse um, comportment, so to speak, and how these guys get along. And I will tell you this, and it, it's and it, it definitely you, – you look at the fire in which – Wander plays the game, right? Mm-hmm. We love the excitement, the level of which he plays the game. He is so passionate about the game. Randy is too. You know, the, the Cuban players, the Latin players, it's more than just a game to them. It is life. It is, I mean, you, you got to understand this culturally. And it, it, it is life. And they take it very, very seriously. It's not a game to them. It's not. It's the way they get their families out of abject poverty, which they have done, right? I mean, th- look at Randy's story. Three times trying to cross and get out of Cuba, finally did, you know, defying death. This is no joke. This is not – it's not a game to these people. It is it – is, it is, it's life. It's life and death. And so they take it very seriously, and they take their craft very seriously, and sometimes that can be a problem. It, that, that can be a problem. Um, and so it has to be managed and there has to be, you know, intervention. There has to be, you know, and this is where cash. Now we saw this last year with, with, with Randy and Yandi, right? And it tanked the end of the season. I don't care what you say. There was an altercation and the team was never the same after. And Kevin Cash addressed it in, in the spring training and said, we've worked on our camaraderie. We've talked about this. They've been very intentional about it. And they're going to be, and I, I, I feel like the Rays are going to continue to be very intentional about it because I got, I got news for you. Randy ain't going anywhere. Well, till his contract's up, and but that's not till what twenty seven, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's a he's a Boris client. He's not going to be here. Um, Wander's obviously signed for the next nine years. So if anybody's going, it's going to be Randy because that's going to be eventual because of his agent. Uh, unless he fires his agent and wants to stay here, but Scott Boris is never going to let him play for the Rays. Um, so I, it's an issue. It's it's a it's definitely an issue, and it can tank your season, as we saw last year. So Kevin Cash is going to have to get on top of this. Yeah, and I and again I I bring it up too because there was another thing that happened on Sunday in the game, and it wasn't involving these guys. It was mostly Jose Siri. right? And you know we love the competitiveness he has and the flair that he has to his game. And there was a moment too where there was a he had a ground ball to second base and it was kind of like a it wasn't like a hard hit ball to second, right? And with his speed, you'd think he'd run out everything. Well, the second baseman made a made a, a kind of a he booted it a little bit, right? And the second he booted it, I'm like, okay, easy first base or easy single for Jose Siri. Well, Jose Siri didn't run out of the box. He didn't even jog out of the box. He was thrown out by a mile with the second baseman still booting the ball. So that was, again, I looked at that, and I was like, did he just like straight up give up on that play? And then later in the game, there was a fly ball to center field, and he came running onto it, and he came on just a little bit lackadaisical, it looked like, maybe a little too nonchalant, and he straight up dropped the ball. He straight up dropped the ball, and it resulted in a double, and the Dodgers were able to continue the inning and got a few runs after that, right? So then I see Jose Siri, certain things going on with him from that standpoint, and then I read this story from the Times, about kind of disagreements with Wander and those two guys getting on each other's skin. I just hope that we don't, this doesn't turn out to be anything 
more than just a blip on the radar when we talk about the story of this team. Well, I can tell you this also, you know, being a media guy and understanding how these things work, especially in this marketplace, Mark Topkin's not going to write that story unless the people upstairs rubber stamp it. And he had quotes. And that's no, I don't mean anything. I don't mean anything bad about Mark Topkin. I'm not saying anything about that, but this is, you know, for him to write that story, he's going to make sure that upper management is like, I wouldn't be surprised if upper upper management was like, yeah, I think you well, should write this here, story. There's a quote I think here, you should make it public. There's a quote here from Neander if you wanted me to read it, if you want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. He did get a quote from Neander. He said he's a very – is talking about Wander. He's a very talented, highly competitive, extremely motivated person who has ascended to so fast it's easy to forget he's just 22. As we enjoy his impact, there remains a responsibility for our organization to continue to help him mature – and develop the tools he needs to best manage the stresses attributable to the game as we commit to do with all of our players. All right, so this is is exactly coming from the front office. They're concerned. They're so concerned that they wanted to make it public because they're private. This is just my opinion, just reading between the tea leaves. I'm I'm not factually reporting this. But from that quote, I I can see in how smart this organization is, they've tried to manage this internally, and it's not working. And so I think they, they probably feel like making this public in some way will somehow affect some type of pressure on Wander to get it, to, 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 to be a little bit more cognizant of what he's doing, that, to know that what's happening in that, in that locker room is not good and it's going to be made public and you're going to look bad if you don't behave, if you don't. Yeah, and mature. especially with the contract. It's, it's really right. the contract makes it – kind of a bigger story obviously so that, that tells me that for this to become public and for eric neander to have a comment on it like that and by the way i think this is i think this is a smart play by the race but it does tell me that they've been dealing with this for a while and they're afraid that it's going to get out of control and so this is their you know uh, this is this is a pretty heavy step for the race to make something like this public and acknowledge it like they did because they they're always a very much you know like that fight last year between Rosarena they wanted to sweep that thing under the rug and you know and did oh nothing happened here nobody hit anybody it was just a shouting match blah 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 but Yandy's going to be out for a week and a half ten you know two two weeks you won't see him around but it was just a shouting match okay you know <laughs> we, we're not that stupid but 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 normally the Rays are very much about keeping this stuff internal for this to become public. And have a quote from the general manager, it is without question something that the Rays wanted out there because they have not been able to deal with it internally. And that's a red flag because I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's going to help, to be quite honest. We'll see, but they must be at their wit's end for this to become public. Oh, I like players policing players. In general, I think that's the best way. That's oh, the best way. Yeah. It's the best Absolutely. way than rather than have the manager go out in public and say something or the GM go out and say something. I think that's very counterintuitive. I think it's got to be policed by the players. I give credit to Randy Rosarena for doing this and stepping in and being a leader of this team because he is one of the the older guys in this clubhouse. Actually, he uh, is. And, but and I wouldn't. You know, go ahead. No, I'm just saying I, I like to see the leadership in general from the team because every time I hear these guys talk about this locker room, and, and Shane McClanahan, by the way, he was on with, with uh, the Peacock uh, broadcast, and he was actually talking about this clubhouse and the camaraderie and how much they love each other. 
I think they all are kind of, they don't want anybody to screw this up, and they want everybody to keep a focus and understand that they're doing something that's really historic right now, but you got to finish, and you can't have a, lot of, a bunch of other things happen like this or like a player that's kind of show up the entire team, all these other little things. You have to keep your head on straight uh, to finish the job. So uh, that was kind of my take on what Randy did there, but what would you have? Well, I think, you know, Randy is not what I would say a mature leader himself. He's still very young and very, I, I think, somewhat not immature young. as well. I mean, he's like 28. Uh, he that? Well, he might, well, still, that's kind of, that's not old in baseball. It's not old. It's not old well, what veteran makes him, in baseball. Hold up. You said you, you would argue he's not as mature. What makes him immature? Throwing his glove up in the air after that situation with, with uh, Wander. That's not, that's not a mature way to handle it. Getting in a fight with a teammate last year. That's not that's not mature. That's not the way you I just I, I was just hoping you weren't gonna say that you were he was immature because of the poses and all this other no, stuff. No, no, I love all that. I love all that. That's fantastic. But these other things, you know, he's not he's not a Cliff Floyd, you know. We, we always talk about him as being the, the elder statesman in the uh Rays locker room back in the in, in, in the day in oh eight where you know he was kind of that that veteran presence. We don't have a veteran presence in this in this clubhouse, do we? We don't have a. There's no Nelly Cruz in there anymore. Well, Yandy's there's, the oldest. Is the oldest guy there in Bethancourt? Not that guy. Not that guy. Um, and I would, I would maybe look for the Rays to go find a guy like that. And if not, as a player, maybe on a coaching in a coaching role. You know, an, an elderly, well-respected Latino player that can really talk to Wander. And, and I'm sure the Rays have probably, you know, gone to X players in that category and had them talk to Wander Franco. If they, I, I would be shocked if they haven't in this in instance. And maybe it's worth bringing somebody onto the coaching staff. And maybe I'm, not, I'm trying to think of who's there now, but, you know, whatever they got going now is clearly not working. So I think this is clearly a public and, and somewhat desperate attempt to, to head this off. And, you know, that's, it, it could be an issue. I, I want to do a little bit more research on this. I want to talk to some folks and see where it's at. And I'm, I've just read a couple uh, paragraphs from the stories you were talking about it. I'm going to digest a little bit more and come back to you tomorrow on it, uh, maybe make some calls and see what's going on. But, yeah, there's, for this to become public, it's an issue. It's a major issue right now. It's much more of a major issue internally than, um, than you might think. So, yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's hit a quick break here, uh, and then we'll come back on the other side. I want to get to uh, Game Seven last night. What a flop that was! Um, and Vegas in hockey, what a flop by Dallas last night. Oh my God, what was that? Um, I don't know. Stars fans, can we get a refund? Huh? Please, can we get a refund on these ticks? Wow. Uh, and an Indy 500 that was just ridiculously uh, incredible at the end. All that when we come back. We're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Gold and Diamond, EPI, and American Mortgage Services. Live from Chicago and St. Pete, this is the J.P. Peterson Show. Back in a minute. Guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you have the vitality you once had? 
It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance Free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated. EPI, you've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa. And for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events. The biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events. The Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well. 
uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show. Coming to you live from the Windy City, Chicago. I'll be heading over to uh, Wrigley Field this evening to uh, see the Reds, uh, the Rays, and the uh, Cubs play at the friendly confines. After a day of Chicago pizza and museums and all kinds of fun stuff, watching Walking the Miracle Mile, all that fun stuff, Michigan Avenue. Yeah, Lonnie was actually, he said he was there yesterday Yeah, uh, at Wrigley Field. Uh, he said tons of Rays fans at Wrigley yesterday, and all the Cubs fans spoke highly of the Rays. Randy got a standing O in the bleachers. Wow. I, I did see that. Topkin put like a picture of all the Rays fans who were riding the, uh, what do you call them? The train, I guess. The loop. The loop, there you go. That we're riding that on the way to the game. So good Rays presence there. Hopefully it's the same today. Uh, yeah. He said, and this is for me, the, the, the Cubs played Hulk Hogan's Real American theme song when they walked <laughs> out the giant flag out on the field. Yeah, I saw some videos of that, and that looked like an absolute vibe here in Real American on Memorial Day. Uh, so good to see uh, and I hope it's the same experience for you tonight over there at Wrigley. Yeah, well, Lonnie, if you're going to be there, come up and uh, say hello. We'll be in Section 214, I believe. I'll be wearing my Rays uh, jersey with Peterson on the back, so come on up and say hi. Um, send, send me a note. Uh, love, to, love to meet you over there if you're going to be there. And like I said, we're trying to get to the, to the afternoon game on Wednesday because our flight doesn't leave till 8 o'clock, so I want to get a bleacher ticket for uh, sitting in the bleachers, trying to get my son to take a half day. I mean, isn't it, I mean, it's like the law in Chicago, right? Like your dad comes to town. If you're working, you get the ha- you get the, the half day off to go with your dad to to the sit in the bleachers, right? right? I feel like that's the uh, <laughs> the general rule for any city, for that's any the law. Yeah, I would think. Tell him to get out of. Tell him to get out of. Is he in Wisconsin yesterday? I saw. Tell him to get out. Yeah, of- it was in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Like I didn't know Lake Geneva was <laughs> like such a. Let's uh, like Lake Como. In Italy, there's like $40 million homes on the lake. All the big money Chicago people, like, you know, Abe Froman, the Sausage King, right? He uh, he has a place on the water up there the in, in Lake King. Geneva. <laughs> you know where that's from, right? No. T- t- tell me you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bro, what are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> Dude, you got to watch the classics, man. You gotta watch the classics. You're you you are under strict orders in the next month to watch Animal House. You don't don't sigh like that. These are American com- comedic classics. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm not gonna make you watch Star Wars. I'm no, I, I get it. Please, I get it. No, but those two are musts. You gotta watch those two, and report back. That it, it just it's a must. But Ferris Bueller's Day Off is the greatest Chicago movie probably ever made. It says it's it gets you know he goes to Wrigley Field, steals Dad's car, gets in the Pat St. Patty's Day Parade, and he goes to a very expensive restaurant. He's trying to get in with his friends. He doesn't have a reservation, 
and he pr pretends to be Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. And he gets, you know, he gets the table. So there you go. Um, but anyway, Lake Geneva, it's got all the big houses on. He went up there. So now he's got to go to the game with me tomorrow. That's, it's the law. That's, but he's such a hard worker. Uh, and my son, I'm very proud of him. He never, he will never ask for a day off. He just, he's, he was, feels bad. I'm like, just tell him you'll work later after you get home from the game or whatever. You know, he'll, I said, your boss is not going to mind. Trust work, me. Work, on how about work at the game? No, I want to. I want to drinking Goose Islands with me and the doing the cup thing in the bleachers. Get the cup thing going. Oh, okay. You're, you we're going to be part of the. You want to? You want to do the cup snake? Yeah, I want to be the cup snake. Yeah, absolutely. Want to be part of that? Then and, and Ashley wants to be part of that because she was told she'll get on TV with that. She's like, oh, I got to figure out what my outfit is now if I'm going to be in the. In the oh <laughs> lord! Hey, that's one way to get her to the game. It's one way to get her to the game. That'll work. Yeah, I can't wait to That'll show work. you my outfit from the photos on Saturday, by the way. Stay tuned. Oh, that's right. You had the photo shoot. I haven't seen anything posted yet. By design. You, by, de <laughs> by design. By design. Was it as grueling as you thought it would be? Listen, I can, again, like I said the, before we signed off on Friday, if you really want to be, if you really, you can do anything. You can turn on a light and be good at anything. I'm ashamed to say that apparently I'm pretty good at these photo shoes. I'm ashamed to say it. I'm ashamed to say it. I will say, going in the water and splashing and everything is not my, is not my thing. And that was the most uncomfortable part of it all because, you know, there's people on this beach. There's people, there's people on this beach. So the, the photographer's going, okay, splash it up, splash it up. And you got to, like, splash it up? Yeah, splash it up. Splash it up. And you got Riley, who completely was checked out, by the way. An hour-long photo shoot was not made for Riley. Okay? No, he was checked no. out after 30 done. He was checked out after thirty minutes, and I'm telling Case, I'm like, he's done. He's done. He's done. I'm done. We're done. Yeah, like, we're let's, all done. Let's go home. We're all done. Let, let's go home, please. And, what was and, Riley doing? Was he just, like, sleeping? She bought him, like, a new kind of a leash, and this one kind of looked like a rope. Well, he loves ropes. So the entire time, after about 30 minutes, he got fed chewing up. Of being, he just started chewing on the rope, and he was jumping yeah. all over me, and he wouldn't settle down. And I'm like, he's, he's done. He's absolutely done. And he wanted to go in the water and, and just pick shells out of the ground and all that. He was digging holes. I'm like, we're done here. We are done. Let's go home. So yeah. it, it probably lasted about 30 minutes longer than it needed to. He put it that way. They all do. They all do. At least 30 minutes longer than they need to. All right, before I get out of here, because i gotta go, I got to go shopping, evidently. Um <laughs> Oh. Uh, the, the you want to do the Indy 500 close? Yeah, why don't we? Joseph Newgarden got the. Thank God nobody was killed by the flying tire. I saw that. Holy! Oh crap, my goodness! Was... Which I feel bad by the way that on Friday I was like, yeah, this event doesn't feel as big as it used to, and you know I don't know how much excitement I have. And then it starts, and everybody's talking about it on Twitter, and then I got FOMO. Yeah. I got I got absolute FOMO. So you went and watched. Yeah. So I watched like the last 100 laps, and it was amazing. There was over 330,000 people. At this Indy 500, the second Incredible. highest attended race. It sounded like there was a lot more younger people as well. I mean, did you see the photos, everybody that was absolutely shit faced at the Indy before the race had even started. Like, well, that's great that that it's 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 becoming a thing again. You know, I think racing in general is becoming a thing again. Um, I think people are migrating away from some of the big sports. I think people are uh, migrating away from NASCAR because I yeah. watched the race yesterday. Which, by the way, took over five hours to complete, and it was like so grueling 
to get through. Like it wasn't even enjoyable anymore. There was caution after caution after caution. Whereas the Indy 500 was just like nonstop action and you could feel the energy from the booth. And then you get this right here. We'll play it. This absolutely electric call. The final lap, Joseph Newgarden winning the Indy 500. And here was the uh, the call courtesy of NBC. Erickson sprints away from Joseph Newgarden and is doing what he did a year ago. The second year in a row we see him unleashing the dragon as we see almost contact between Pelot and Ferrucci. Erickson leads out a one. Ferrucci threw a shoulder at Alex Pelot and said, don't you dare. Ferrucci trying to get a draft off Newgarden Erickson, but Newgarden was a monster run off turn two. Joseph Newgarden has never won the Indianapolis 500 and he's ahead on this last lap. Joseph Newgarden, is this the moment when the pain ends? By one, by one. The drought is it over for no Joseph Newgarden? Or does Marcus Erickson have something? By two. Team Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And Joseph Newgarden finally wins the Indianapolis 500. It's the captain's 19th win. Newgarden's first. Listen to those cars, man, and what a call right there. I, I got it. feel so bad. We had the guy that was on uh, Turn 2, Mike, there, was on our show a couple of months ago, remember? Yeah. What was his name? I forgot his name. We got to get him on this week. We got to get him on this week and relive that call. What a finish, and then the blocking at the end, man. Those cars are just going so fast, and they go back and forth so quickly. Like how You just feel like they're just going to totally lose control. I don't know how they do it. I drove like a kind of a version of IndyCar probably about a week ago where it was kind of like the same steering wheel setup. And like every time I was going in like the, the corners and everything, I was You're talking like, about a simulator, right? Huh? Talk about a simulator. Like a right? simulator. Yeah. Okay. And you kind of have yeah. like the, uh, the, the wheel or not the wheel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm like all over my words right now. You get what I'm saying. The steering wheel. Yeah. There you go. The steering wheel. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The steering wheel. I'm like blanking right here. I'm like, I know there's a word that goes in front of it. Anyway, that thing is so hard to like turn and everything. Like it really doesn't have much like give. And these guys are going over 200 miles per hour and like yeah. they're so close to each other. And I think there could be an accident on every lap. And there's like hardly any accidents yeah. when they're on an oval like that. But that was just a fantastic finish, a, 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 a pass on the final lap. Always loved that in one of these big races. I mean, you hear the crowd was going absolutely insane. You hear the roar yeah. of it and this, the call, the emotion. I got chills listening to that call right there. And then Joseph Newgarden was like crying buckets as he was dousing himself in milk and everything. The emotion, like it means so much. His wife was crying on the, at the pit stall. Like, those are the things that this, this race kind of brings out of these guys, and that's why it's so fun to watch. Yeah, that was, um, you know, I had an opportunity to go to an Indianapolis 500 this year, and I just, you know, couldn't make it work. Obviously, doing this trip to Chicago was a priority to see my son, but um, maybe we'll just next year we'll do the Indy 500, and he can just, you know, drive over from Chicago. We'll meet up there and watch it because I've never – it's on my bucket list. I've never been, so I would definitely want to do that. Um because it, that was that was quite a scene yesterday, and I agree with you. I, I, I picked in at the Charlotte race, and I'm like, Ugh, 600 miles. It's a lot. Whoa, it, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I understand. Lot. I know it's like one of NASCAR's like crown jewel events, but it's probably my least favorite crown jewel because it's just way too long. And then the rain, 
Like, we had to start the race yesterday instead of Sunday. We had a 30-minute red flag for, for rain in the turns. All the rules that NASCAR has that it's so hard to keep up with. We got stages, all these gimmicks. I think that's why people have honestly tuned out of NASCAR, yeah. whereas they're gravitating more to, to F1 and IndyCar going forward. But whatever. I mean, racing seems like it's on the rise, at least, uh, based on what we saw this weekend. Yeah, and speaking of Jewel... Um... I didn't see her rendition of the national anthem, but evidently it lit up Twitter for a divisive. Where did she perform the anthem at? At the Indy 500. I didn't even see that. See, I missed. I didn't. I did not watch the start of the race, so I missed that. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll have to. I'll have to go research that as well before I make any comments. But it certainly lit up the internet. Uh, a couple other uh, comments coming down. Um, Baker Mayfield will take the Bucks to the playoffs, says Mark Davis. I don't think he's crazy wrong. I don't think he, I, I think there's a shot at that. We're not going to get into too much Bucks talk. They at least I'm not. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think he's crazy wrong. I had an interesting conversation um, with somebody this this past weekend, uh, former NFL player who will rem- remain nameless, and he had some very interesting things to say about the dynamic. Uh, and it's not Rondé, by the way, uh, uh, about the dynamic at one buck place last year, vis a vis Tom Brady coaching staff, the whole nine. And when we say, you know, we've talked about the dysfunction that was going on, like his words were dysfunction does not describe the dysfunction. <laughs> so I'm so in on, you know, and, and the, and the feeling is this year that because of all that, and again, I'm not throwing it all on Brady left, which was part of this whole deal. The whole thing was dysfunctional. It wasn't one person. The whole damn thing was dysfunctional. And there's a feeling now that that is gone, and there is a much. It's a much more together team. It's a there's a feeling of guys working in the same direction, and everybody getting the same credit, and blah blah blah. And I get it. I totally get it. So I think that's a positive. And the Devin White thing is going to be dealt with. And I think that there's there are people within the organization that feel like if he doesn't start towing the line so to speak, but, and it's not, it's not the organization. So it's not being heavy handed. It's his teammates. I think his teammates at this point are like, okay, buddy, you know, enough is enough. Either you're either with us or you're not. So I would, and, and I think everybody to a man cannot say enough good things about my man. Savassier. Savassier has made an impact. And there's nothing that'll get your ass into OTAs like somebody taking your position. So we'll see. We'll see. But I think there's the only thing I would say about the Bucs is I think there is a palpable feeling within the organization that they are much more together as one moving forward. And there's a much better feeling about this team. And that and that's um, Baker Mayfield as a leader, Kyle Trask as a leader, because Kyle Trask has evidently really been impressive. For a lot of people, are very impressed with the way he's handling himself and how he's playing out there. So, I don't think it's maybe as uh, a rubber stamp deal for Baker Mayfield, but the feeling is um, it, it's healthy competition. I think you should change your name to Servasier La Sosa. I think Servasier, La, the Servasier La Sosa show. I think it's a hell of a lot better than the JP Peterson show. <laughs> hey, it's a that's a one to ten right there. Servasier La Sosa. Wow. That is a good – I think – can you get a graphic made? Like, we'll do one whole week as the – I can, I can make anything <laughs> happen. The Vassier La Sosa show? 
Absolutely. Right. We'll find a good middle name from the Lightning and, and see if we can work, work it in there as well. Um, what else we got here? Jordan G says, um, Punk Bubba Wallace got his ass beat by Tampa's Eric Amaral during the Coke's. I did not see this. Oh, yeah. This was during the, the rain delay. They let the drivers get out of the cars, and Amarola and Bubba had a, we'll call it a discussion, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, Amarola gives uh, Bubba a pretty good shove, a pretty good shove across the chest there on pit road before NASCAR officials got and intervened. And then Amarola said after that, you know, that Bubba was giving him the bird on the racetrack and like talking some, some, you know what to him. So he decided to take matters, his own hands and you give him a nice little shove. And then Bubba responded by calling him two faced. He said, that's what happens when you got two faces or whatever. So a little bit of a feud there between, uh, between Bubba and Tampa's own Eric Amarola, which I love, by the way, I love that in NASCAR. Oh, absolutely. We need more of that. We need more of that. But nowadays they don't let them go. The second somebody touches somebody, we got like three bodyguards coming in to break everything up and ruin the fun. That's what always happens now. If we can fight in hockey, why can't we fight in NASCAR? And those guys are so small, nobody's getting hurt. Come on. Just let, nobody's getting hurt. Just let someone get a, like, like this happened like two or three weeks ago with Ross Chastain and Noah right. Gregson, yeah. where Gregson confronts Ross. Ross throws a punch, lands a pretty good one, and then we don't let Gregson get a, get a follow-up. Like, let, let's at least let both guys get a shot in. Let's have some entertainment here. And then I'm let's and then we can get you can get everybody in there and break it up. Look like they, like they do in hockey. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. Um, yeah, and 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 I anything involving Bubba Wallace is going to be you know handled with kit, kit gloves by NASCAR. So it's it, that's a very interesting dynamic right there. And maybe that has a lot to do with why um, or something to do with why uh, NASCAR is as Christopher Cole say so watered down now. So, by the way, Thomas Casper chiming in. Old steel, old style beer is the worst. You're absolutely right. Who's 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 promoting old style beer in, in our comments section? Because if you are, you are wrong. That is flat out piss water. I ain't drinking no old style beer. Hey, someone care. someone gave you a, a suggestion. By the, I think he said what Giordano's Deep is that an actual? Oh, place? Giordano's Deep Dish. Yeah, that's another uh, Chicago icon pizzeria that became a. A uh, chain restaurant, obviously. Yeah. And Giordano's in Tampa. I we we love their pizza. Their pizza is fantastic. The one in the West Shore Mall. Mm-hmm. So that chain, you know, again, that's that's an allowable chain restaurant to go to when you go to another city. Oh, I didn't if know that. Rich- that's a that's a Chicago thing. I didn't. Know yeah, that. Giordano's and Portillo's are both originated well, I know, I, in yeah, Chicago. I didn't know Giordano's was. Yeah. Another yeah. another one here suggests. I think I've heard of this. Lou Malnati's. Yeah. Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're gonna have to head over there. Because I'd rather do one that's not a chain, although these two Portillos and Giordano's are solid. So, yeah. All right, before I get out of here, and then uh, Nick's going to take you home. Um, game seven last night. What a complete dud by your Boston Celtics. You know, Tatum rolls his ankle early in the game. It kind of took a little sting out of it. I will I will say that. Uh, but as we, as we kind of thought, this Boston Celtics team just doesn't have the – the intestinal fortitude that the Miami Heat team does. Miami Heat, this is not a talented team, especially with Tyler Hero out. They're just not that good a basketball team. And I think I think Denver's going to roll Miami. I think they're going to roll Miami in the finals. Um, I think it goes, you know, five, maybe six tops. But I think Denver rolls Miami in, in these in these finals. But, and that, not to take anything away from Jimmy Butler and that gang, they they played their ass off. Um, 
I kind of felt like they would win that game because Boston and and I and for Jalen Brown <laughs> for Jalen Brown to say or you know I maybe he's saying this privately I don't know I was watching get get up this morning and they said that you know Jalen Brown is a little miffed and may not take the fifty nine million dollar max contract because he doesn't like Boston because his name was was mentioned in a trade for Kevin Durant. Okay, this wasn't a trade. What is a trade for Russell Westbrook? It's a trade for Kevin Durant, and your name is mentioned, and you're so insulted that you won't take fifty nine million a year, three hundred million total. Are you effing kidding me, Jalen Brown? Are you out of your freaking mind? You're insulted. Somebody insult me with a three hundred million dollar contract, please. God, what a horrible. I, if I'm Boston, I'm not touching a max contract for this guy. I saw the payout today. Like in the four, if, they, if they give him the max in the fifth year of that deal, which would be in twenty eight twenty nine, it would be worth sixty six million dollars. Sixty six million dollars was what Jalen Brown would get in the fifth year of this max extension if they give it to him. I think most of that's actually Chinese money too. Maybe he'll get it in yen. Is there a single the team in the league who would give him that? No, no. No, I mean he's just a, he's just a number two option. Honestly, he's a good play. He's a really good player, but he's not. He ain't, I would take and what you could get with that money in terms of other players. I would much rather build around Tatum and go get some other guys than commit that much money to him. I think and then the NBA is going that way now. You got to have these other good players. Look at look at Denver. You know, look, look at Miami. Look at what they're doing. You know, they, Spolster is a tremendous coach. They find guys to play their roles. Um, they don't have nearly the talent that Boston had. They beat them. They don't have nearly the talent that Milwaukee has. They beat them. You know what so, I? You know what I love though? Boston tears. I love those things. Oh, and they are the first team in, in the same postseason, I think, to lose in the NHL and the NBA to an eight seed in the playoffs. I absolutely well, adore that. We love to say that Boston is our bitch. Boston is definitely the state of Florida's bitch. Like, without, we own your ass, Boston. Own your ass. How's that feel? You got to live up there and we own your ass? Can't be good if you're a Boston fan. Cannot be good. All right, uh, we'll take a break. I'll, I'm out. I'm going to uh, eat my, my wonderful room service breakfast that has just been served here at our hotel down here on the, on the river, Chicago River. And then out, it's 75 degrees here today and sunny, and then going to Wrigley Field tonight. And I'll report back tomorrow, hopefully. I will be there. Quick break. Nick will be back on the other side. the gym and do 5,000 crunches at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just 
Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over 
uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. Oh, sorry about that, everybody. My uh, computer there just took a took a little bit of a dump right there as we were coming back from break. So apologize for that little awkward silence back there. Uh, but back here on a, a Tuesday edition of the JP Show, uh, you heard it there. JP off to enjoy his nice stay in Chicago. Going to be in Wrigley tonight for Rays and Cubs as the Rays look to uh, overcome what was a nearly a no-hit bid yesterday from Marcus Stroman. Shane McClanahan going tonight for your raise, so hopefully they can get back on track and set themselves up to win this series uh, the following day in Wrigley. Uh, but we're going to continue on today, and as always, love to be joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Sean Green from the Charge On podcast and NBC Sports as well. Sean, how you doing? Thank you for joining us today. I'm good, Nick. Do you actually love to have me on? Are you, you know, I'm sure it brings you great joy to ask me to come on uh, well, when I'm needed. Well, you're no, you're no JP. Let's get that. Or, or actually, his new name is Servasier La Sorsa, by the I way. I know. Uh, if, you, if you were listening there, he's Servasier La Sorsa going forward because that name is amazing. And it's much better than JP Peterson. And we're going to rename the show. Uh, the the Servasier La Sorsa show for the next week, probably. I'm going to have a graphic made up there for us. And we're just going to roll with it, Sean. We're just going to roll with I was it. Gonna, I was going to say, you definitely have to make a graphic. I, I'm intrigued to see what you come up with. That's that's what I'm really excited for. I can't wait to text you in a week and be like, send me that graphic because I'm really excited to see it. Well, my amateur my amateur graphic-making <laughs> skills hopefully will, will do okay. But if not, I know who to call. I know who to call to get a good graphic made, and we'll, and we'll take it from there. Uh, yeah. But, but again, before we start, I will say, by the way, uh, always love to pimp our stuff and pimp your stuff as well. The Charge On Podcast, we had a great interview with Charlie Soto, who, if you're not familiar, he's a local kid uh, from Kissimmee. Uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's a UCF commit. We had a chance to interview him for about 15 minutes um, last week on Friday. That episode dropped on Saturday. As impressive as a 17-year-old I could think I could ever have found, which it's odd. We were talking about this, Sean that we're 24 years old and we're interviewing a 17-year-old kid and it just the, the whole dynamic of that feels completely weird because he felt like he's more mature than me and you which is a good sign so uh, keep your eyes out for, or encourage everybody to go watch that interview hear from Charlie Soto and he'll get his name called in the first round of the MLB draft for sure uh, so definitely want to pimp that there and get that out of the way uh, but Sean when we, me and JP just talked about it just for a little bit but we'll go a little bit more in depth and I'll definitely get your take because uh, we did get a Game 7 last night uh, in the NBA in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I had high hopes for this game. 
based on the way Game 6 ended and the high that we were on after the Derek White tip-in with a millimeter of seconds to go, milliseconds to go in that game, and we go to a Game 7. I had You said that Boston was going to win this series after even after Miami won Game 1. You're like, Boston's got this in the bag. No chance. And then Miami reels off two in a row, goes up 3-0. And I'm thinking, oh, Sean's going to be wrong, and I'm going to rub it in his face. And then here come the mighty Celtics to make it 3-3. And I have to admit, I thought Boston was going to roll in this game. Game 7 at the TD Garden. uh, I thought we were going to get maybe better from Jason Tatum. Now he rolls his ankle on the first play of the game. He rolls his ankle, and it was clear that he wasn't the same Jason Tatum the entire game after that. A little bit of a hesitancy there, I thought. Uh, And then you you need Jalen Brown to step up, and he did not. Yeah, um, disappointing effort by the Celtics. I think I agree with you in the sense of, obviously, Game 7s, right? You want the best of the best. You want the best possible game. You want it to come down to the the wire, right? There was a feeling after Game 6 that I kind of had a feeling it was going to go one way or the other. I kind of knew, listen, it's either going to be the Heat let that last second bucket by Derek White to find their Game 7, or the Celtics are going to be on such a high and feel like they've won the series and then have a crap game. And one of those things happened. Uh, very rarely, it's it's awesome when you get a Game 7 like we're kind of sometimes accustomed to, but a lot of the times it's just not the case. A lot of the times the pressure is too much for one team. And I see a lot of people online blaming it on the Jason Tatum ankle, and I'm going to be completely honest. I think those criticisms or or that excuse is just not valid straight up from the first minute of the game the heat looked like they wanted it a million times more you can blame Jalen Brown for the way he played I think it was his worst performance of the playoffs easily Uh, but the Celtics listen I, I you could say they got lucky in game six I mean they had the game one with four minutes left in game six and the heat came back and should have won that game if it were not for a lucky bounce and in that game, they went 7 for 35 from 3. Game 7, you knew if you went 7 for 35 from 3, you're probably losing. And they couldn't hit a shot. And I think my problem with the Celtics for this entire playoff run has been if the 3 is not working, they just keep shooting. I mean, that's the reason they went to game, 7 games with, with Philly. Is Again, the games, it was a blowout pretty much every game. Either the 76ers blew out the Celtics or vice versa. In this series, it was pretty close for most of it, but... I mean, again, if the three ball is not working, the Celtics just withered away. And I think the Celtics really need to ask themselves this question going forward. Is is the duel of J- – and I know this is overreaction, right? But is the duel of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown finals champions worthy? And I don't think they are. I think after watching that, I think they if they can't win with this type of team that they assembled this year and you can't beat the Miami Heat in seven games – Listen, I think we both agree, Nick, and I. you can give your take. I don't think if the Celtics or the Heat go into the finals, I think the Nuggets are ultimately going to win. It didn't matter which team won last night. But ultimately, I think the Celtics really need to look at themselves and say, do we want to pay Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both Supermax contracts? And I think that answer is no. Well, I agree. I think both, to your first point, I think both team is playing for second place because I don't think either team has enough to take down Denver they just seem like they're a, a wrecking crew right now, and this is their time. It just feels now Miami could shock me, 
right? And they've shocked everybody in these playoffs. And I think I saw the report that Tyler Harrow is targeting Game 3. Can't overstate how much of an addition that is. Because throughout the regular season, at least, he was basically the Heat's best offensive player, including Jimmy Butler. So that'll be a big lift for them. But I think Denver is a juggernaut right now. To the point about Tatum and Brown, Richie, I mean, just commented right here, Tatum is not that dude. I I don't agree with that. Well, uh, Jason Tatum was a no-show for majority of the big moments in this series. First three games of that series, zero, zero field goals in the fourth quarter. Didn't want the ball, it felt like. And if you're the best player on the team and you're a superstar, which I keep hearing, which he's not, which I'm, I'm team, there's like five superstars in the NBA, by the way. We throw that word around way too much. Jason Tatum is not one of the best five players in the league to make him a superstar. I don't know why you're giving me those eyes right now. You're, you're, that's, that's a hot take. It's not a hot take. He's not a superstar. Man's been to four Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, well, he hasn't won. I mean, Uh, he's not a a superstar. He's not a superstar, Sean. I'll give you the superstars of the league. LeBron's a superstar, right? Steph's a superstar. KD's a superstar. Giannis is a superstar. And I'll throw Kawhi Leonard in there. Those are the superstars of so the So you NBA. just missed out on Jokic and Embiid. You just consider them not superstars. I need you to win. I need you to win. I'm talking about for a career. For a career together, you need to be an elite of the elite, all-time player, and you need to win. Those five guys that I just pointed two, out to you are superstars. MVP? Jokic is a two- to three-time MVP. Sean, you don't consider Sean, him a superstar? Sean, Sean, if he wins the finals, he is a superstar. Which I agree with you. I agree with you until on the then, sentiment that he has not won. Until then, he is a star. There is a big difference there. We throw the word around way too much. Okay, There are superstars, and that is the elite of the elite. And I just gave you the five guys who, for their entire career, in my opinion, judging them off their career, are superstars. And then you have a large group of stars. And then you have a large group, honestly, where a lot of these guys belong, that are just great players. Jason Tatum is in the star category. But... He did not graduate to superstar status because he didn't have the opportunity to because he wilted away in the big moments. He wilted away in the big moments. And I'll tell you what, I'm not paying Jalen Brown because I, I told JP this. <laughs> uh, if they sign Jalen Brown to a max extension in year five of that deal, it will be $66 million towards the Celtics cap that you'll be paying Jalen Brown. A number two option. A number two option that I could argue maybe I'd rather be my number three option on a championship winning team. Okay? So, no. I'm breaking up that core. And Joe Mazzula, I'm sorry. Goodbye. I understand that, oh, might, that might sound taboo to get rid of a head coach who took somebody to the, Western Conference, or the Eastern Conference Finals. But I look at the game. What was the game plan? The game plan was just jack up a bunch of threes. If we make them, we win. If we don't make them, we lose. That's not, a, that's not a winning game plan at all. That was, there was no adjustment made to what Boston was going to do to win these games. And this, and this is what you get. This is what you get. So I'm making radical changes to Boston. I'm getting rid of Joe Missoula. And I'm bringing in somebody who can actually coach and make adjustments. And I'm breaking up Brown and Tatum. I'm making radical changes here to this Celtics team. You know what's crazy? The Celtics have literally, they were in the finals last year. And they went to the Eastern Conference Finals this year after firing their head coach for, you know, things we're not going to get into. Fire their head coach, bring on the backup, uh, had injuries all year, weren't the best team in the East, still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They were the number one seed. after being down. Huh? They were the one seed. No, they weren't. Oh, Milwaukee was. You're right. Milwaukee was. So 
I I find it funny. Like I get it's overreaction Tuesday after a game seven. I do agree with you on the Joe Mazzula. I don't think Joe Mazzula should be fired. But what I will say is his biggest issue is not making the necessary changes when they need to be made. Because Eric Spolstra, again, in our, I think we all agree we've said it. I think if not the best coach in the NBA, definitely a top three coach. He's done it with nothing for years. I mean, once LeBron left, and I get he had Jimmy Butler, but many didn't assume Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler was number one option. Everybody assumed Jimmy Butler was number two. He comes to Miami, and he's been number one, and it's proven with a bunch of undrafteds and second-round picks that you know he could still coach him up. Spolster, he is so good at making the necessary changes and things that need to be done, which in Miami Game 6 and Boston Game 5, the Heat, or what the Celtics did was basically every time Bam got the ball, they would switch Derek White onto him. Derek White would, you know, guard Bam, and then everybody else would just guard whoever they have, regardless of Al Horford's on whoever. Boston did the same game plan. And just did it in Game 7. I think that's the problem. I, I get it was working, but if you didn't think Miami was going to switch it up in Game 7, that was Joe Missoula's problem. He didn't switch. Now, to the Jason Tatum not being a superstar thing. That is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's I not. Get, no, no, no. And, and hear me out, okay? You put Jason Tatum on any other team in the NBA. I think he does the same. Now, now granted, the, the talks of him not being productive or being too passive in certain moments are very valid. I mean, there are times where he has 30 and a half and then takes like two shots in, in the second half. I, I think those shot things are valid. Well, then he's not a superstar, Sean. You can't take halves off like he does. I don't think he takes halves off. If you look at his stat line, it's not like he's taking it off. I think he's getting his teammates more involved, where I think at some points he does have to be like, I'm the superstar, I'm going to take the ball. And I think he did that in game uh, five. I think he was the game he had 40-something points. He took over that game. He said, give me the ball, right? Last night, where I'm obviously, I don't really count last night because of the ankle. There were certain moments you could just tell. Like I think the, the time where he kind of faked it and went and, dunked it, you could tell right when he started running back, his ankle just wasn't right. Game six, even, it, it he just kind of, in the fourth quarter, he kind of shies away. I don't think that discounts him as a superstar when you look at his productivity throughout the entire year and in the postseason the last however many years. He has been a consistent superstar. Nobody that guards Jason Tatum says it's very easy. And when you put Kawhi there, I get you say for the career, I don't view superstars as... You can count Kawhi as a superstar for his career. Kawhi hasn't been a superstar for three years. Kawhi's been a part-time, barely-played, injury-played player for the past three years. If you're putting Kawhi Leonard over Jokic and Bede or Tatum, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I said for, I understand for, for where you're coming a career. From. For a but career. When you count, okay, but when you count, I understand career, but you have to, every year you have to view who are the superstars of the league. And if you go and you're putting... Grant, I get LeBron, right? I understand LeBron. But, and I think Jalen Brown is a star. And I think when you say Jalen Brown is a two-third option, no, I think he could be a number one option. His problem is he doesn't have a second. He could be a number one option on Washington and be the 11th seed every single year like Bradley Beal. That's what Jalen Brown is. He's in Bradley Beal territory. I mean, 
I think Jalen Brown definitely needs a if you get Jalen Brown another number two, I think they that could be a team where if you kind of put the pieces around those players, now Jason Tatum's a number one, so it makes Jalen Brown a perfect number two. To the Supermax, I think somebody should give Jalen Brown a Supermax. Oh. The problem is his left hand. I th- Now, I don't think the Celtics should. Now, granted, nobody can give him the Supermax because the Celtics are the only team that can physically give him a Supermax. But there is a team out there that will give him a max contract. I don't know who, but the problem with Jalen is consistency. When he's on, when he's on, he's a top 20 player in the NBA. No question. Well, anybody can be, but, anybody but, can be on. In the league. Uh, you're right. You're right. But in, with Jalen Brown, if you look, there's mo- some games he plays way better than Tatum. Maybe ha- half the time if you're, if you're considering that. Right? He didn't show up last night. Now, you can also say that he took a lot of shots that just weren't good shots and, and was forced. He was reckless. Is that be- he was reckless. But Seven turnover, reckless. Well, and again, Miami's game plan was perfect. When he goes to his left... I mean, you might as well double team him when he goes to his left. He is a right-handed player, and that's his problem. It's not he's not very good when he goes to his left. So I don't know. I disagree. I do think the Celtics have to possibly consider splitting them up. I don't think you fire Joe Mazzula. I mean, again, he got you to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because then if you're saying he's not that good of a coach and oh, the players got them there, then again, they've been to how many Eastern Conference Finals? Tatum's been to how many Eastern Conference Finals? At some point, you have to be like, okay, then it's the players. Then those players are clearly top of the line, su- potential superstars. You clearly have a potential superstar on your team. If you've been to that many Eastern Conference Finals, granted, one finals. But I don't think you fired Joe Mazzulli yet. And I do think you really have to strongly consider getting rid of Jalen Brown. Because you're not going to pay him. And I think their bench unit is good enough with Brogdon, White, um, and Williams to, to make some noise in an East that is pretty much wide open at this point. Anybody can win the East any given year as of right now. It sounds like you made an argument for me there that Jason Tatum is not a superstar and that Jalen Brown is just a really good player. That's what I heard. I think that's what I heard. I, I consider Jalen Brown a superstar, but I Jaylen think Jalen Brown, needs to be you consider a superstar? No, no, no. Jason Tatum. Like, Sorry, they both have James. Back up real quick. I, Jay, I, Jason Tatum, I consider a superstar because I think if you put him on any given team, I think they become instant Eastern or Western Conference Finals contenders. The question, though, is when he gets there. Now, granted, again, I don't think we're talking like it's the Heat one, right? So everybody's talking about the Heat and how the Celtics were trash in game seven. Nobody. Everybody was talking about the fact that the Celtics made their way back, but I don't think now anybody's talking about that. They did make their way back. This team did incredible things to get to a Game 7. Should it have got there? No. The Heat should have won Game 5. Yeah, I, I, agree. But, I agree with that point. I'm just saying, if, if, okay, we're, if we're going to judge somebody as a superstar, then, let's, then you need to have a real conversation about it then. Because we've talked a lot about Jalen Brown on this show. The national media is talking about Jalen Brown. Well, then why are we just skating right through Jason Tatum, who put up 14 points last night? I un- ankle, Jason Tatum. Ankle withstanding, I understand. But it, I'm just, like, double standards here. If LeBron James put out that input, or that output, rather, in a Game 7, gotta have it, in his home building, we would crucify that man today. We wouldn't care at the fact that he rolled his ankle in the first quarter, and we would kill him. And you know that's true. And you know that's yeah. true. And LeBron James, the difference is in a game where he had to have it, 
he puts up 40 and, and whatever and almost has a triple-double. There's a difference there than what Jason Tatum did. He, he showed up realistically in one game seven and one big game got to have it this year, and that was in the 51-point performance against Philadelphia. Not taking anything away from him. That was one of the most outstanding games I've ever seen from a player in the playoffs. That's great. But consistency was not there, and Boston needed it, and you can't rely on a bunch of Derek Whites I mean, who we're going to overrate. We're, we're going to do this. We love doing this. We're going to overrate a bunch of role players and call Derek White a really, oh, he's a really good player in this league. No, he's not. He's just a role player that can get hot at, the, at any time, right? And if you're going to talk about who the key role player was of this series, look no further than Mr. Caleb Martin, okay, who was the most important player, I'd argue, in this entire series, especially for Miami. And let me give you a stat here. <clears throat> let me give you a stat that I found this morning. On, on Caleb Martin, who was on a heater yesterday. He scored 135 points in this series, in seven games combined, and shot 60% from the field, from three and from two. There are only six players that have ever scored more points on 60% shooting in a conference final. Six. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Sean Kemp, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Dwight Howard. Okay, that is we what, should put him up there with them, huh? <laughs> let's let's put Caleb Martin up up in star level now. Well, you see, I, mean, I have actually numbers to support that data. If I want to make that argument, punch. I've got no I've got no numbers to support Jason Tatum being a superstar and and Jalen Brown being worth a max contract. I got nothing to let's support. I got nothing to support that argument. Let's do this. Let's trade Jason Tatum for Caleb Martin, <laughs> and let's see how the Celtics do yeah, next year. We might as he, well do it. We might as well do let's it. Let's do it. Because I guarantee, and we can even have this argument, Derek White and Caleb Martin. There's a reason oh. Caleb Martin was cut two years ago, or a year ago. Oh, There's a reason. There? It, it wasn't like he was, you know, catching the league on fire. Can we just boil it down to, just like you say Derek White, oh, Derek White, everybody said, oh my god, he's a good player in this league. You know? Can we just boil it down to whatever system these people are in, or these players are in, it ta- brings out the best in yeah, each you, player. Yeah, that's how it works. And who's coaching. So Caleb Martin put him back on the Hornets now. Let the Hornets give him an $80 million contract, and let's see how quick the Hornets cut him. Because, again, I think the Miami system and how Miami coaches, they make something out of quote-unquote nothing. They get these undrafted guys, these people that are not wanted, that are three-point shooters, that is their specialty, and guess what? Jimmy Butler and Bam play to that strength and they know okay we've got shooters on the outside jimmy's basically your point guard kyle lowry's non-existent anymore like he came up clutch in some of moments last night but he's a bench player now for them basically get a bunch of three-point shooters put them out on the wing and and run your offense like kayla martin was outstanding last night and it's been so efficient but i also don't agree like it's like i think Derek white is a better player than kayla martin personally now, granted, again, let's put Derek White on the Spurs was really good. Then he goes to the Celtics. He's really good. Caleb Martin was on the Hornets. Was kind of bad. Then a rapper, I forgot, who asked Miami, please, I think it was J. Cole, please sign Caleb Martin, my good friend, in the Miami Heat. Said, okay, sure, and signed him. Now they're like, oh, my God, that was great. We listened to this guy, and he ended up being something. So I don't, like, good for Caleb Martin. I'm happy for him. He's really productive, and he's probably going to make himself a lot of money here in the next year or two. But I look at the entire player's lifespan in the NBA. 
Caleb Martin's playing really good in Miami, but it's like Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward in Utah was so good. Goes to the Hornets. And it, it, it's almost like he's aged 50 years, right? So it's good for Caleb Martin. I'm happy for him. But I think Derek White is still better than Caleb Martin. There's no question. Yeah, well... Caleb, Caleb Martin, my TED talk. Caleb Martin will be, uh, will be trying to win NBA Finals, and Derek White won't, so end of story. Very true. There. But, no, this series taught me that Eric Spolstra, again, we can't say enough about him. He's been to six NBA Finals in 13 years. And, Sean, by the way, I don't know if you heard, but he used to be a video guy. That's how he got his start in the NBA. Did you know that? Did you know yeah. that? My goodness. I mean, Took over after Pat Riley. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm so shocked at these things that I've just learned today for the first time ever. Eric Spolster was a the, video guy. Wow. So we're gonna, Eric Spolster, we're bang that one the, to the ground. Oh, I know. I mean, he's an, he's an incredible. I mean, I think everybody after LeBron left and D-Way retired, like was like, okay, well, the Heat go back to being, you know, the Heat after like after before Dwayne Wade and after LeBron, it's like, okay, Eric Spolster will now get to see what he's actually made of. And he's proved everybody wrong. I mean, because, again, everybody's going to say, well, he has Jimmy Butler. And it's like Jimmy Butler on Philly was number two. Goes to, you know, Minnesota. He was the number two. Mm, I'll disagree so it's on like, that one. Well, I mean, I think we both disagree. There's a, common, people there's a common theme there where Jimmy Butler, no matter where this guy has gone, his teams – we forget this. Philadelphia, if not for a Kawhi Leonard clutch, clutch play in that game six or game seven in 2019 – if not for that, I truly believe Philadelphia goes on to potentially win the finals. I think Jimmy Butler was that good for that Philly team, and they made the wrong decision, an awful decision, to get rid of him and instead give Tobias Harris a, a huge contract, and they're still living that one today. We forget in Minnesota, Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves were the, were the four seed at one point that year. I think it was like 2018, I want to say. They were the four seed. Then Jimmy Butler got hurt, and the Timberwolves just went all the way down. It didn't matter that they had Carl Anthony Towns and some of those other talented players. Couldn't keep it together. Jimmy Butler knew before. Everybody knows, and now everybody knows, but Jimmy Butler knew beforehand that Carl Anthony Towns is not that dude and that the Timberwolves culture was complete crap, and he got out of there and went to Miami, and they built it up now because you got a bunch of players on that team that got Jimmy Butler mentalities. Maybe they're not as talented as Jimmy Butler, but they got his mentality. They're grinders, right? They're trying to win their spot in the NBA. Jimmy Butler plays like an undrafted free agent. He truly does. He doesn't play like a guy who went first round and has played on all these really good teams and has accolades and all-stars and all, and all NBAs and all this stuff. He doesn't play like that, and that's why I appreciate him, uh, and that's why I think the Heat are where they are. Uh, to the point about looking ahead to the finals, <clears throat> the biggest mismatch, in my opinion— is clearly Jokic and, and Bam Adebayo. Uh, Bam Adebayo has had this reputation for being this great defensive player in this league, and he can put up 20 on any given night if he wants to. Not the current version of Bam Adebayo that I'm seeing. I think it's clear as day that he has been a huge weak link for Miami down in the post. He's not giving you anything offensively, and I don't think defensively he's been as great as we're accustomed to seeing. I think Jokic is going to have his way with him, and ultimately, that's going to decide this series, uh, in my opinion. So here's what I will say. I, I do agree. I, I think it, it's one of the more lopsided finals. But I also will say the Heat technically have been the lopsided underdogs for every single they series they've been in. Uh, 
we talk about like the Celtics, right? The Celtics are the better team. Like on paper and on a roster, the Celtics have the better players. The Heat have more heart. And I know that's like, oh, how do you quantify that? And everybody says that, right? But the Heat play with a grit that some NBA teams just don't want to play with. They remind me of old school basketball, how they play. That's why I love them. I looked up because I was curious. I said, okay, Nuggets Heat. They played twice this year. What what was the score like? You know, how how they play? First time they played in December, uh, December 30th. And the Heat only lost by five. And Jokic put up 19, 12, and 12. And Bam Adebayo put up 22, 7, and 2. So, I mean, many would say, now granted, I haven't watched the game, so I can't tell the difference. But many would say Bam played probably better than Jokic in that moment. 2023, this year, that's a little harder to find because everybody's doing final stuff. But I think the final score was 112 to 108 Nuggets. So the Nuggets won by four. Case in point, both times the Nuggets and Heat have played, the Heat have lost. But it's been really close. Hasn't been a blowout. It's been a grinder. So to the point, I think a lot of people are assuming the Nuggets are going to win. But it's, it's really like you can go in knowing at the least the Heat are going to give you a really good game. To the Tyler Hero point, I'm going to be honest. I have PTSD from the 09 finals bringing on Jameer Nelson after he was hurt when you had Ray for Alston and Anthony Williams playing outstanding. I have PTSD because I think, oh, if you just would have kept playing the guys you're playing, maybe you could have won that finals. So to the Heat's point, I think if the Heat win a game and steal a game in Denver, I know this might be a hot take for people. I wouldn't put Tyler Hero back in the game. I'd keep him on the bench. Do not play him regardless of if he's healthy or not. I understand where people are like, well, he's way better than Max Struess. I agree. But you have to add, this is the finals. Do you really want to risk your finals chances on a guy who hasn't played basketball in two months? Do you want to really risk his defense and all of that extra stuff? So I wouldn't even play Tyler Hero. That's my personal hot take. Regardless of if he's healthy or not, keep him on the bench. Keep playing the guys that are playing, like Highsmith. I give I give him more minutes. He's outstanding. Caleb Martin. Max Cruz is kind of trash, but he can shoot the ball. That's all you care about. So kind of keep trash. Tyler here on the bench. If you're down 2-0, like if you've lost both games and it hasn't really been close, but then it's like, okay, what what do you have to lose? Put in Hero. Uh, maybe you make maybe you play him 10 to 15 minutes, and maybe he just takes a little bit of Duncan Robinson's time. Maybe maybe that's the role. Duncan, oh, he he... I'll say this: Duncan Robinson has like a brand new life. Man, like was never playing, and now he's like acting like he's the best well, player could, on the Heat ever. He, if he could have made his shots in, in Game Six, we could have avoided this already when he got the perfect look. But unfortunately, he should have cut. Remember that one he had there? He kicked it out to him, and he was wide open. And that oh, could, yeah. that could have that could have iced the game right there. But what did he do? He hesitated. He thought about it. He took a dribble. And then he decided to position himself a little better and try to take that three. To me, Duncan Robinson should have caught that ball. And I don't care if you're wide-ass open, you think you have all the time in the world, just take the shot. Just take the shot. And he had another one later in the game where he got a chance to ice it, and he, he bricked that one as well. Off, awful. Um, so there you go. But maybe that's Tyler Harrow's role. But we'll see. Should be a fun finals. I know the NBA is not happy because they don't get their ratings. But whoop the frickin' do. I think we get better basketball this way. Uh, just reading some of the, the comments here. Uh, Richie said that, where was it at? 
Tatum is good in the same way Scottie Pippen was good. Not saying Tatum is not any good. I'm just saying like Scottie Pippen, he would pass up the game winner uh, to Tony Kuchoch because he crumbles under pressure. Tony Kukoc was a good player. I mean, role player, but good. I would, you know what? I think it's a good comparison. I think Scottie Pippen and Tatum are are very similar players. Now, I mean, I you would know say, what? I would actually agree with Richie there. I think if you put Scottie Pippen on the Celtics today, I think probably the same result would happen. So, you know what, Richie? But I think a lot of people would consider Scottie Pippen a superstar. Well, I don't think Scottie Pippen even gets him to the dance, to be honest. Like I'm not. I'm never going to tell you that Jason Tatum's a better player than Scottie Pippen. I'm not going to say that. But from an offensive skill set standpoint, Jason Tatum, J- Jason Tatum, I will say is far superior th- than to to Pippen was. Now maybe part of that was that Pippen wasn't asked to play that role, and we never really got to see him kind of in that role because he was always playing second fiddle to Jordan. So maybe that's an argument there. But I would say Tatum was much more offensively gifted than a Scottie Pippen and. Because of that, I don't even think that team would even get to the dance if you, were, I think if you were to put Pippen on that team. I agree. I do. And I think you also have to take into account when people are like, oh, get rid of Tatum and keep Brown, or, or, or Tatum isn't this. It's like any team in the NBA would kill to have Jason Tatum. Again, what is the prototypical superstar that you want? Like a Kevin Durant, 6'10", small forward. Yeah, like that a, really is good, a really good wing like that, yeah. Yeah, and that's why Paolo Bancaro. Like, a lot of people would take Paolo right now because they're like, okay, we could see him being the next kind of one of those type of guys, one of those threes. You, those come very few and far between. So it's like, I still think Jason Tatum has room to grow, and I think you'll see him next year potentially say, okay, like, and again, man's been to an Eastern Conference Finals this year, a Finals last year against, again, the Warriors, who... I think it's it's pretty hard to beat them in the finals. He's been to four Eastern Conference Finals. I think we, we are taking one series way too seriously and looking at one playoffs way too seriously when last year, I mean, the praise for Jason Tatum was immense. And nobody took it as, oh, they lost the Warriors. They're trash. It's like, oh, they'll be back next year. So I just think it's very harsh what people are saying about him when uh, what he's done in the league I mean, any team would kill to go to the Eastern Conference Finals basically every year of their career. Well, that's that's how you turn out to be in, in the Charles Barkley mode, and we think about you a lot different when it comes to your legacy. That's just the way it works. That's just the he's way so, it works, How old is he, 25? He's still very young, yeah. We're talking about a 25-year-old. I mean, come on. Man's, man's got so many years. But that is a good thing, Richie. See, I, I can see that comparison. Yeah. Well, it's not his time. It's Miami's time at the moment, and ultimately, at least to get to the finals. But I think it's going to be uh, a Denver. Uh, another news: we did get a game six last night. I was hoping we would get a game seven for this uh, this Western Conference final between Vegas and Dallas. Uh, but everybody, I know we're obviously going to talk about the NBA more than the NHL and the National Eye, right? Especially when a team just completely no shows. But the Stars really. Six to nothing on your own home ice in a game six. Got to have it. Uh, oh, that's one of the worst performances I think in all sports I've ever seen in a must in a must have game. Completely throttled by Vegas, who goes to their second Stanley Cup in their first six years of existence. Not a fan of Vegas at all, but I can't argue with the success and Jack Eichel. What a difference he made to that team. 
uh, and William Carlson as well was up to 10 goals in the playoffs. Obviously rooting for Jonathan Marchessault, the former Bolt. Uh, he got on the scoreboard last night, but Dallas deserves this. Their fans were awful uh, in that game three where they're throwing crap all over the ice and we're having to end a period early because they can't control themselves. And Jamie Benn, this is why they lost, because Jamie Benn should have been suspended for the entire series. He gets a two-game suspension, and then he comes back into this game, and of course Dallas goes right back to getting throttled. Okay, Their, their captain and his line, him, Sagan, and Johnston, were completely a no-show yesterday and a non-factor. So Dallas gets what it gets, and we have a NBA final or NHL finals of the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL. That's hockey for you right there. We got two unorthodox markets in the NHL finals, and it's going to be great. Sean, get with the program on this show. We're all big Lightning fans, but we are putting on our Florida Panthers cap, trying to get that done. And by the way... <coughs> Another thing I came across this morning, you know who's the state of Florida, and now Miami, this, Tampa had this going on for the last two, three years, and now Miami's kind of grabbed the mantle from them. This is all Tom Brady's, of Tom Brady's doing. Yeah. This is all of Tom Brady's doing. Let me get to what I saw. I, I put it in my, uh, in my tweets here. Hold up. It was insane seeing it. I'll say that. I mean. Okay, this is, this is all Tom Brady's doing. Let me get to it. Where'd it go? Every time I need to find something, I thought I had it, and it's gone. I mean, you should do it off the top of your head, if we're being honest. <sighs> Tweet got deleted, of course, but I'll try to paraphrase it here because I can't remember the whole thing. Since Tom Brady arrived, the, the Lightning have gone to three Stanley Cups, one, two. The Rays have gone to a World Series. The Bucks obviously won a Super Bowl. The Heat have gone to two NBA Finals. Uh, the Panthers have now won an Eastern Conference Final or in the Stanley Cup. FAU went to the Final Four in men's basketball. And I know there's another team I'm missing. Miami Hurricanes basketball went to a Final Four. Miami Hurricanes basketball went to a Final Four. Are you starting to see the theme here? Tom Brady comes to our our city first, and then as the whole state kind of encompasses his greatness and is now the epicenter. Florida is the epicenter of professional sports right now. I think it's hard to argue that case on the success that all Tampa and Miami have had now in the last three years, uh, and that is a great thing. I love to see it, and it started with one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. making the flip. There is one team missing from that that hopefully in the next couple of years we can add that team to the list. And what would that That's be? That's all I'm going to say. The Orlando Magic winning an NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean. well, I'll see you in about a decade. A decade? Potentially. Oh, if it's a decade, it's it'll be longer than a decade. I mean, no Wimby, we don't eat. No Wimby, we don't eat. Apollo's the savior. Come on, I'm Apollo just, in front. I'm savior. just kidding. I, I made my feelings known about Victor Wimbanyama and why he is not this generational prospect. He's not the. He's not the most hyped. He's not the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. Woj. Okay, let's get that straight. I see all these mock trades. ESPN did a mock trade sending Wimbanyama to the Magic for Paolo Bancaro and like. Pick six and eleven, and I'm like, what are, we, what are you kidding me? Would never do that in a heartbeat. Neither, neither would the Magic, and I don't, even, I don't even think the other, I think the other team would feel bad about doing that. San Antonio. I mean, come on. Awesome. San Antonio's not going to do it because they think they've got the next exactly. coming of exactly. whatever. I don't think he's the next coming of, of anything. Like I, I just don't. I think he's got to be really good, but I also think the height, like. Everybody forgot about Paulo all year because they just moved to this next draft because of Wimbayama. And I'm like, you have a guy that, as a 19-year-old, averaged 27-4, and and you don't – you just, like, 
Okay, he won Rookie of the Year, almost unanimous. All right, let's go. To, it's like yeah, just give me give me the guy from France who's never played it down to basketball. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. So I'm happy with Paulo and Franz. We move I know on. You are. All right, we got about a minute left here, two minutes. We can go over just a little bit. Uh, I did want to just mention this. This happened on Friday after our show. DeAndre Hopkins officially released by the Arizona Cardinals. He is on the free agent market. Sean, I see you perking up over there because I was going to ask you in a quick minute, is Bill going to get uncomfortable and make a, a move here for, for the 30-year-old DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, he's watching. You got a hunch of where he's going? All I'm going to say is he posted yesterday him watching – a Patriots uh, Super Bowl from, I think it was Super Bowl Fifty One. He was he was he was watching well, it on the TV. So I mean, wink, wink. My man's going to New England for fourteen yeah. million dollars. Well, unfortunately, the the Patriots and Mac Jones they don't fit his criteria. 